simultaneity. doing two things at one time from a, a halachic perspective. So we spoke yesterday about isu halal isu, ain isu halal isu, the fact that when a, um, a thing becomes asur, and, and we know with a, with a lot of isurim, the isur is on the chafetz. The isur, so to say, attaches itself to the object. When one isur has attached itself to an object, uh, and, and a second isur is, is performed with the same object, the second isur doesn't attach. But as we learned yesterday, both according to Rabbi Yossi and according to, um, and according to Rabbi Shimon, the that second Isra hovers around, it's there, it has impact, it has effect. The question is, is there any tangible outcome from there being two Isurim attached? Uh, it, it's a punishment as such, we don't do, but, but the question of burying among Rishoyim or not, there are the, the possibilities of outcomes. That's the Machloket, Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi, and Rabbi Yossi, but not about the fact that Ein Isra Chalal Isra, and yet there is something, there is something present. There are... Um, Three areas where Enisu Halal Isur might not apply depending on the different different she taught. The one is called Isur Moisif, the second is called Isur Kolel, and both of them are dealt with in yesterday's Daflam and Beis and Beis. And the third one is Basachas simultaneity, when two things are done um, simultaneously. What is Moisif and what is Kolel? There's a very Important Rashi, Rashi, and usually gives us definition on Lamed Beis, Amud Beis, yesterday's Amud, um, and defines Mosif is Kesheha Isur Mosif Alachatichala Osra Al Mishibuteret Alav. Mosif is when the second Isur adds other individuals to, to the Isur. So the first Isur applies only to me, the second Isur applies to everybody. The first Isur might be Achotishti. She's the sister of my. Of my uh, wife, but then for everybody else, that's not that issue isn't there. Uh, and, and if the second issue is uh, is Eishet Ach, the the wife the wife of my brother, then it applies to all my brothers, not just to me. So that's a a wider application. When the second issue has a wider application than the first issue, then the second issue can be Chal. And the second is Isur Kolel. How do you define Kolel? Because there's a lot of confusion between the difference of between Mosif and Kolel, which is why Rashi defines them. Isur Kolel is where the second Isur includes more objects. So the Mosif is it includes more subjects. Kolel is it includes more objects. That's the difference between Kolel and Mosif. And then we have the, the idea of Batachat. It's a very pe- a beautiful piece of Gomorrah. goes through three different cases of, um, of potentially Isu Chalal Isu and, and what Rebbe did say, what Rebbe didn't say, how it works, how it doesn't work, and Machlokas between uh, Rabbi Chia and, uh, and Bar Kafra. And the Onada, as I see, they pronounce him Bar Kapara. But I don't know when that started. And anyway, that's whatever you, however you want to call him. Um, and the Gemara on Adaf and Lamikimah Damad Aleph talks about Isu Bavat Achat. And so they're talking, one of the three cases is where a person becomes Tamei and a Balmum simultaneously. Um, Tamei becomes uh, defiled through Tumah, which means he can't participate in, in the Avodah space Amikdash and so on. Um, and the Balmum, also affects his ability to serve in the Beis Hamikdash. He becomes somebody with a physical impediment, uh, such as loss of a limb. 
So one of the cases the Gemara is talking about is where a person becomes a Balmum and a Tameh simultaneously. How can that happen? Answers the Gemara, He cut off his finger with a knife that was Tameh. And if you think it's unusual to cut off the finger on Tuesday night in the show, we talked about somebody, right, who cut his finger off. Uh, people do that when they're working with tools, they're working in factories, these things happen. Uh, so this, this individual cut his finger off with a, a knife that was Tameh. So simultaneously he becomes Tameh and, and he becomes a Balmum. Asks the Me'iri, how can that be? Because the moment he touches the knife, He's become, he becomes Tameh, and a few moments later, he cuts off his finger. It's not simultaneous. So what we're dealing with here is a fascinating concept, and that is, do you determine such simultaneity by a, an Omega stopwatch, an Omega chronometer, or do you determine it by the eye? Does it look simultaneous or doesn't it look simultaneous? So it's interesting, like all in all these sports events in the old days, the umpire just had to make a decision, and that was it. He's using his eye, and nobody knows whether it's right mathematically or not. Now they can replay and replay and replay and measure exactly with the two things at the same time or not, or one was before the other, which one was before the other. Uh, and and the question is, what? how is sports meant to be? Is it really meant to be with that degree of, of scientific precision, or is the eye entitled to, to judge? And in halacha, we have the same concept. Uh, in halacha too, we have to decide, how do you decide simultaneity? Because it, make, it can make a big difference. So says the, the Meiri, it has to be absolutely simultaneous. The Meiri, remember, is, is, is Provence, 13th century, so he's at the end of the period of the Baal He himself is not a Baal I don't think he's ever quoted in, in the Baal Tosfos, he's, he's like at the end of it, he's, he's after that period. So he must have seen the Baal Tosfos. You'll see why that's relevant in a moment. But he takes the view it's got to be genuinely simultaneous. Um, and it also it gives you an idea of the style of the Miri. And this whole shir today gives you an idea of how the Rishonim work and the conversations between the Rishonim and how the, the layering of the different views of the Rishonim. The Meiri style is just to read and translate the Gemara as it is, as simple as possible. Uh, it's not always possible sometimes. He's got to bring rise, but it's almost the opposite of Tosfis, uh, where he just he goes through it and explains it. it you can almost read the Meiri without ever having seen the Gemara. It, he, he, he creates a narrative. He talks the Gemara through. So you get an idea of how the Rishonim used to teach the Gemara. And that's why when we learn Gemara, we learn Gemara and Rashi as the primary text together. You don't learn Gemara and then learn the Rashi. Uh, and that's why, as my father used to say, and all the old teachers of Gemara would say, you've given me given two fingers, one on Rashi, one on the Gemara. And you go down with your two fingers and you're moving backwards and forwards all the time because Gemara and Rashi is Gemara. Gemara is not Gemara alone. Gemara and Rashi is your starting point. And then from there you get into Tosfus. There's no Gemara without Rashi. You don't start the Gemara and say, Let's, let me try and understand the Gemara without Rashi. That's ridiculous. Why would you start? The Gemara isn't the Gemara without Rashi. Rashi talks the Gemara out. And the Me'iri does the same thing and he does it in a much longer form than Rashi. That's why Rashi, you couldn't just read without the Gemara. You've got to integrate Rashi and the Gemara together. But the Me'iri you could learn on its own. You could just read the Me'iri and you've got every, everything. It's just talked out so beautifully. The, the Me'iri does and he has a beautiful writing 
interesting style. So just in talking the Gemara out, the Meiri says, "Kagon gadol shechatach adam acher etzbao besakin tzbea shenimtzu mum v'tuma ba'in ke'achat." We must be talking about a case where somebody else cut his finger off with the knife. So, so that it's not that he first t- took the knife in his hand and cut his finger off. He didn't touch the knife. The first time the knife touched him was as it cut through his finger. So there it was really bevatachat. It has to be absolutely bevatachat. But we've got a Gemara in, in, in Ksubis. There's another area where this bevatachat becomes very important, and that's in the din of Kimle Midrabimine. The din of Kimle Midrabimine is the, the halacha that we don't punish for two things that came simultaneously. So if a person did chilu um, Shabbos and murder simultaneously, he's only going to get punished for one. He's not going to, uh, and, and which one does he get? He gets the first one for the same kind of reasoning. It's a kind of ain isu chalal isu. The first one, that's what he's high for now at the moment. He's, he, if he, he's, he's, what happens if they're simultaneous? If they're simultaneously, then kim lemi derabine, we give him the more severe one because they're truly simultaneous. A kim only applies when they're truly simultaneous. If he did the lighter Avera first, then he would get the lighter, and, and, and if he could get the more severe, he would get the more severe as well. Kim that principle that you only give the person one punishment is where two isurim, two, uh, 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 two punishable offenses, literally did happen at the same time. And the Gemara in Ksubis is talking about different cases, um, Rava talks about a case, uh, Abaya talks about the, the fact that that applies by an Isu Karet as well, according to Abaya. That means that if a person did an Isu Karet, which is Hashem punishes, it's not a Beisdin, and simultaneously did something for which Beisdin punishes, then Kim Le Midrabim, he gets the more severe, not the lighter one. The Gemara goes into a whole different case, discussion about how can it be, and it talks about Gonev Chelbosha Chaviro Vachalo. A person steals the chelev. Chelev is asur. You're not allowed to eat isur. It's an isur koris. Chelev is certain fats around the kidney and various other parts of the animal. There are certain fats you're not allowed to eat. And if he stole that fat from his friend and ate it, so he's done two things. He's stolen. He's got to pay. And because there can be value from the fat, the fat can be sold. Uh, so he sold. The, he stole the fat. He has to pay. And he ate the fat. Uh, and that. And there, there could be kimle midrabim there. Also, Gemara, how can that be? He, he was over Geneva, he stole before he ate it. So the Gemara said somebody else stuffed it, stuffed it in his mouth and he swallowed it. So he acquired it and swallowed it at the same time. And the Gemara goes in, was that not onus? Was that through compulsion? It wasn't his choice. And the Gemara discusses the whole thing. But what's important there is the Tosfus, and particularly the Ritzvah. The Ritzvah is a, a very important Baal Tosfus. You remember Rabbeinu Tam is like the founder of the big the big powerhouse of Tosfos is Rabbeinu Tam. Uh, his his brother Rashbam is also very important, but Rashbam is more of a development of Rashi. Rabbeinu Tam is the powerhouse that starts the Tosfos movement, succeeded by his nephew the Ri. The um, Ritzvah Rabbeinu Tam was the Ritzvah's grandmother's brother. His, his great uncle. So Ritzvah is a great nephew of Rabbeinu Tam. And he learns with Rabbeinu Tam, and when Rabbeinu Tam died, he carried on learning with Ri. So the Ritzvah, who is also a brother of the, of the, Rabbi, of the Rash Mishans. Remember, we've spoken a few times recently about Rabbi Shimon Mishans, the Rash and Mishnayas. The Rash Mishans was considered the successor to Ri. So you have Rabbeinu Tam, his nephew Ri, and then after him, the Rash, the, the, the Tosfoshans, becomes the powerhouse of the 
Tosfus movement. The Ritzvo is the Rashmi Shantz's brother. And the two of them together, they work together, they learn together. Uh, great nephews of the of Rabbeinu Tam, Talmidim of Rabbeinu Tam, and Ri. You see how this whole family works and, and, and what it gave to the Torah world. And the Ritzvah says in Ksubis, um, he says that uh, it's talking there about a case that even though even though in that case the acquiring of the chalev and the benefiting, the eating, the consumption of the chalev did not happen at the same time, at precisely the same time, it's ke'ilu, it's considered in halacha as, it is, as, if, as, it, as if it is the same time. As we find in our Gemara and Yevomus, you can have a balmum and the tumor that came together, like one who cut his finger with a knife that was tome. The Miri is all worried about this came first or that came. Of course, the one came before the other. We're not talking about mathematical precision. We're talking about how it how it looks as as one. So if you if you can think of it like, I don't know how they make animated movies today, but in the old days, you remember, they used to draw these millions of cartoons, and if you photograph them quickly enough, or you used to get these books that you could flip them, and if you flip fast enough, it looks like continuous movement. That's the discussion here. Can you create, if you have the appearance of continuous movement, is that considered one mice? The eye sees it as one. What, what determines these things? The same as we have in halacha, that if you're deciding whether there are bugs on your lettuce, you don't need a microscope and you don't need a magnifying glass. It's what your eye can see. What your eye can't see is not treif. These things are governed by what the, what the eye can see when you're checking an, an esrei. Uh, it's what your eye can see. It's not what, you, what the eye can't see. So here, if the eye sees it as simultaneous, does that mean halachically it's considered simultaneous? Says Tosfus in Ksubis, absolutely yes, that's considered to- simultaneous. Tosfus Yishonim here, and we've said we don't know exactly who the Tosfus Yishonim is on, Yav- on Yavomis, but it, the Ritzvo, it might be the Ritzvo in this case. It's probably various different people from uh, from, from earlier from earlier Tosfus and the the, the Tosfus on, on Yavomis we said was from the school of the Talmidim of Ri. So it, the, the Ritzvah could have been part of this. Says the Tosfus Yishonim, They're all worried about the same question. Mathematically, it's not simultaneous. So what is it halachically? Since there's only a little bit of time in between them, it's considered like, like one action. And we have this principle elsewhere. So we see the Tosfus Yishonim on our page follows the view of the of the Ritzva in Kesubis that as long as it looks simultaneous to the eye, Halacha regards it as simultaneous. You don't have to measure it down to the, the microsecond. The Ritzva adds a little bit, and people get a little bit uh, confused with the Ritzva. The Ritzva says, "Perish tekivan de you see here how important it is to watch the words of the Rishonim carefully, because if you read and translate the words carefully, you don't get into all the confusion. What is the Ritva saying? He says it's one maaseh. 
the, what you've got to look at is it's one action. You don't have to break one action down into its component units that might be consecutive. You look at the context of the whole. There's one action. An action can take place because if you get into the microseconds, everything can be broken down into consecutive. There's hardly anything which is truly simultaneous. So so if you, what you've got to look at it, it's not so much, it's different from the Tosfus Yishonim and the Ritzvo. The Ritzvo is saying, it's not just about what the eye can see. It's about the packaging, the context. Is this one thing? If it's one thing. And he adds, If it's if it doesn't take longer than the two or three seconds it takes to say, Shalom Aleichem, Mori Virabi, then that's considered Bavasachas. What they get upset about the Ritvo is that principle is about, is about speech matters. If you make the wrong brocha and you correct yourself and make the right brocha, it's considered as if you did it at the same time. But to apply that here where this has got nothing to do with speech, what does Tokhkadei Dibu got to do with an action, the knife, first being Matame, then becoming a Balmum? What's that got to do with is about the laws of speech. And there are certain cases that where, where, that, where it applies beyond that. But what the Ritvo is saying here, I believe, is something important and different. He's saying, that's a halachic principle that we know. So in Dibur, we establish the principle that consecutive actions can be considered simultaneous if the context is one. That's what means. That you pause, you, you, you don't stop. There's a difference between pausing in a conversation and stopping the conversation and starting anew. Tokadei Dibu tells you that if the context is all one and the time difference is not great, that's considered one unit. Here too, because he doesn't, why do you need Tokadei Dibu? The Ritvo says, it's one Maise, that's enough. You don't need Tokadei Dibu. Notice the Ritvo. Tokadei Dibu is your precedent. You can learn from Tokhte Dibu the idea that there are situations where consecutive is treated as simultaneous. In the cases of speech, it's Tokhte Dibu. In the cases of action, it's Maisechot, when it's, when it's all packaged as one action. Even though it happens over consecutive moments, it's considered one action and we consider it simultaneous. So we've got three different approaches. Um, the Me'iri, which is very different, and then the Ritzvo and the Ritvo, which are, which are subtly different, but importantly different. Uh, one of the things that it's important to take away is that's all very well with Maisim. We're talking about how consecutive actions can be treated as bavatachat. And we tend to do that when we multitask, because it's, there's, enough, there's enough scientific evidence already that multitasking is not possible. That when we're multitasking, we're actually switching very, very quickly from one task to another. We can't do two things at once, uh, certainly when it comes to attention. And that's what's important to understand. This is all talking about a maisa achas, but not about kavona. So, so in maisim, in actions, just like those, those animated movie things, you can take consecutive things, and if you do them fast enough, there's a continuity that makes them, that makes them one unit. And so it is when we multitask and we go from one thing to another, it's just like flipping those comic books. Uh, but really, each one is a separate page. And the problem is that our mind at any given moment is focused only on one thing. So our mind is moving backwards and forwards at a rapid, sp at a rapid pace and isn't really properly focused on anything, and it exhausts our mind. So there's a, a, a lot of research that we lose 30 to 40% of our effectiveness by multitasking. You think you're doing two things at once and you manage it. Look at this, I'm doing two things at once. Isn't that great? You're actually 40% less productive when you're trying to do two things at once because your mind is actually flipping backwards and forwards. So it's interesting. In halacha, we're willing to look at certain consecutive things and make them one. But when it comes to our focused attention, to being mindful, to being 
to being focused. And people can feel it when you're on the phone and you're, and you're looking at your emails at the same time. The other person knows it. You can feel it immediately. You feel the difference in the energy. You know immediately that the other person is not fully focused, even though they can't see you. How much more so when they can see you. If you want to give somebody attention, it's really important that they don't feel that you're multitasking and that you aren't multitasking. People are, crave attention. They don't crave time. Parents sometimes say, I don't have time for all my family. I don't, they don't need time. They need attention. And a moment of attention can satisfy an enormous amount. An hour of distracted time is worth nothing. It doesn't emotionally satisfy somebody. What emotionally satisfied is a, is a moment of undisturbed and undistracted focused attention. And it's the same with our tefillah and with our learning. To be able to be focused absolutely on what we're doing for those moments is far more important uh, than having your mind all over and thinking that you can be focused on two things at the same time. Uh, th that can't be done and shouldn't be done. And our world is so full of distraction that we have to be particularly careful. And that's why when you're learning or you're doing deep work in your, in your work uh, or you're talking to, to somebody, just make sure that your phone is out of the way. Uh, not, not on silent because then you're still distracted. It has to be out of the way, turned off or out of the way so that you can really focus your attention on what you're doing.